construction stuff and, and just all the social unrest, everything. You kind of had conversations with people toward the end of the year where they would be talking about their life or talking about this coming year in 2021, and they would say things like, I don't even know why it even matters. Like there was this sense of wanting just to kind of give up or just to kind of say whatever and throw our hands up. And it does matter. There are parts of our life that absolutely matter. And it's easy to get beaten down by life. It's easy to get, you know, kind of pulled through the mud or get sucked into some of the things that are going on in the world and make us feel defeated, make us feel like um, the future doesn't matter. But in fact, the future does matter. Today does matter. So we're going to do a, a sermon series this month and carrying all the way through the end of February. We're just going to ask the question, why? And each week we're going to look at different areas of our lives and try to discuss and, and examine why these things actually matter. Um, now, I, I want to say this as I was thinking about this sermon series. This is one of those series that every week it would be really easy to sit either here in our chairs or at home or listening on the podcast or whatever. This is one of those series that is really easy to listen to. And the first thing that comes to our mind is, oh, I hope so-and-so is listening to this, right? I mean, that's what we, we like, oh, I, I hope they're listening to this. I, I hope my ex-spouse is listening to this. I hope my ex-boss is listening to this. I hope my current boss is listening to this. I hope my neighbor's listening to this. I hope the person that sits behind me every week in church is listening to this. But the thing of it is, it's not about them. It's about you. It's about examining your life. Because if we're thinking about who else should be listening, we're not going to be examining our own life. We're not going to be uh, really wrestling with why these things should matter to us. Trust God and trust the Holy Spirit to allow this teaching to get to whoever it needs to be. But you're here right now. You're watching, you're listening. So this is for you. So let's try to go ahead and get that out of our minds that it's not for anyone else, that this series is for you. The things that matter are for you. So if you would, pray for me as I pray for you. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. We just thank you so much for, again, just gathering us together. Um, man, whatever distractions are going on in our life right now, if, if we're coming off a great week, or just a, a horrible week. Lord, I pray that you just meet us right where we're at. That, Lord, if it took everything within us just to even get up this morning and cut on our computer just to watch this, then so be it. Lord, meet us right where we're at. Lord, as we examine these things over the next several weeks of things that should matter to us because they matter to you, Lord, help us to examine our own lives, our hearts, our souls, our actions. God, and if there's anything within us that doesn't align with what we should be with you, Lord, I pray this morning you start to change that. Start to right the ship of our lives. Do whatever it takes to get us to where we need to be. And it's in your holy name that we pray these things. Amen. This morning, I want to talk to you about something, and, and it's found in the book of Proverbs. And, you know, back in October, we did a whole series, and we went, every day we went through one of the chapters of Proverbs. And so if you went through that series with us, and you would have read this verse. It's found in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1. And it says this in Proverbs 22, 1. It says, a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. 
Solomon understood that there was something more valuable than what you could gather on this earth. He understood that that thing was your name. A good name is worth more than anything else you could gather here on this earth. Now, we have another um, word for that. Sometimes we call it character. That your character is worth more than anything else that you could gather on this earth. Now, when I talk about having character, I'm not talking about just a big personality. You know, sometimes, you know, we'll say things like, oh, you know what? She's a real character. He's a real character. Meaning that maybe they have a big personality. Maybe, you know, they're, they're extroverted, they're loud, they're, they're colorful, they're eccentric, you know, and, and those things are great. They, they do make up who they are. But to quote the wolf from Pulp Fiction, just because you are a character doesn't mean that you have character. You see, the definition of character is this, is an attribute or feature that makes up or distinguishes an individual. So it's easy by listening to that definition to kind of confuse personality and, and character. We, we, we like to think that they're intertwined, but in fact, they're not. Your personality is totally separate from your character. I think an easy way to look at this is, is to say your personality is surface level. Your personality is what people see when they deal with you on a day-to-day basis. They, they see, you know, the way you dress or the way you act or all these, you know, just whatever it may be. They, they see that in your personality. But your character goes deeper. Your character is the root of why you act the way that you act. Your character is that thing that, that kind of pushes out your personality. Your personality is a result of the character that is within you. Let me give you some examples. When you think of someone that has a strong character, right? They, they, they have strong morals, strong values, people that you're just naturally drawn to because of their character. You don't question anything about them. You don't question when they tell you something, you just believe it because I know their character. I know who they are. Here's some examples of of characteristics that I think all of us would agree we would like to see in others and maybe we'd like to see in ourselves. How about generous, loyal, loving, and kind? Someone that that exhibits self-control or is optimistic. Someone who's determined. Someone who's fair. Someone who's honest, patient peaceful. Just naming off all of those nine or 10 characteristics of people, those attributes, those are the type of people that we're naturally drawn to. Those are the type of people that we want to hang around. Deep down, those are the types of things that we want people to know us for. But let's be honest, we're not always like that, are we? that we live in a broken world. Sin does exist in this world and often exists in our lives. And there's parts of our lives that are dark. And so instead of all these things being generous and loyal and honest and peaceful, there's a dark side of our character. There's dishonesty. There's meanness, rudeness, disrespectfulness. There's greed there's selfishness, there's jealousy, someone being obnoxious, unforgiving, petty, quarrelsome. I mean, I could go on, right? Like just as easily as I named off all the positive character characteristics and character that we want to exhibit, just by naming off the negative side, 
probably for a lot of us, we're like, oh gosh, I was just a lot of those things this week, right? Like I, I wanted to be honest about something, but to tell the truth, I was a little bit dishonest. I wanted to be kind, but man, I got really petty. I wanted to be peaceful when this, when this event happened and, and all, everything was going into chaos. But honestly, I, I have to admit, I was quarrelsome. I, I was ready to pick a fight. I was, I was in the middle of it. I didn't want to gossip, but I did. I didn't want to be jealous, but I was. All of those things represent our character. Socrates has an incredible quote regarding your good name and your character. He says this, regard your good name as the richest jewel you can possibly possess. It sounds exactly what Solomon said in Proverbs. Your good name is like the richest jewel you could ever possess. And Socrates goes on to say this, the way to gain a good reputation is to endeavor to be what you desire to appear. So what Socrates is saying there is this mask that we put on, this front that we put on, the things that we want people to believe about us. He's saying, why don't you just do those things for real and you wouldn't have to fake it, right? That, that's what he's saying. He's like, these things that you endeavor to be, these things that, that you put out in front of everybody, if you would just work toward actually being honest, if you would just work toward actually being peaceful and, and work toward being loving and kind and determined, if you actually work toward those things, instead of faking it, then your good name would take care of itself. Your reputation would take care of yourself. Your character would be what God's character is. So this morning, we've kind of laid the foundation of exactly what character should look like. The definition of what character is in our day-to-day -day lives. So how do we get there? Like, why... Does character matter? Why does our character matter? When it looks like everybody else around us lacks the positive characters in their life, why, does, why should character matter to me? Why should my good name matter to me? Why should my reputation matter in today's time? Four things if you're taking notes. First one is this. A good character instills confidence. A good character instills confidence. And I don't want you to get confused. It's not about your character is going to instill confidence in somebody else. I'm talking about a good character instills confidence in you. Again, Proverbs 10, 9. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. What that means is this. Um... Poor character leads to poor decisions. And poor decisions lead to stress, lead to angst, lead to all the things that you're worried about. Because if you're making poor decisions, if your poor character has now led to you making poor decisions, what are you doing? What are you spending all your mental energy on and all your emotional energy? You're trying to cover up and, so that nobody will find out what you did. So that no one could, 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 you know, accuse you of this or whatever. You know, like, that's what you're stressed about. That's what you're going after. Like, oh, I know I did something I shouldn't have done. I know that my bad character caused me to make a poor decision. So now all of a sudden, instead of just living freely and walking, moving forward, we're looking behind us trying to cover our tracks. I'll never forget this happened to me in, in high school. 
and I'm going through this right now with, with my kids. Um, uh, Maria and, and Jacob have just taken chemistry um, in high school, and, and I'll admit, I am the worst at science. Like, science is, was not something I could ever really grasp my mind around. And so in high school, when I took um, chemistry, um, the smartest kid in class, right, the one who got it, sat right in front of me. And so what happened was, uh, me and the guys who kind of sat around him, um, when it came test time, formed a little, uh, we'll just call it what it is, a cheating pattern. So, so the guy who sat in front of me would take his test. The guy beside of him would then look over and write down his answers. And then I would look diagonally and see his answers and write down mine. And then the guy beside of me would look at my answers and see mine. So all four of us collectively had the highest grade in the class all year long. Like A's and B's on everything, right? And, and so finally it came to exam time. And I don't know how it is now, but when I was in school, chemistry was a state exam. So it was like a major exam. It was not something the teacher made, and it was not anything that you could even cheat on because every student had a different chemistry exam. So you didn't know who's had what. There was like four or five different exams, and they were all shuffled up and mixed up. So the answers that the guy got in front of me probably weren't the answers I needed on my test because I didn't know the questions. And I'm telling you, I was so stressed. I was so worried. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to fail chemistry. Like, I'm going to fail this exam. And, and you had to pass the state exam. It didn't matter what you made in the course. If you failed this exam, you had to take chemistry again. And I remember, like, I had spent the whole year cheating, right? And then I got so worried about, man, I'm going to bomb this state test, and, and, and I'm going to have to take this all over again, and I might actually have to study. Like, that was what I was really worried about. And um, fortunately, uh, by some miracle of God, I made a C, right, on this exam. I don't know if I just learned by osmosis or, or maybe my brain actually triggered in some things or God's divine hand came down, but I did enough to pass, and so I didn't have to take chemistry again. But I'll let that be a reminder to me the rest of my high school years. Like, I can't go through this again. I mean, it was stressful. But I'm going to tell you what happens when we learn to cheat as students. If we don't curb that behavior, if we don't change that dishonest characteristic in ourselves, we become adults who cheat. We start cheating at work. Uh, most people, it seems like, are working from home right now. You're probably having to log in and let your boss know how many hours you're working. I guarantee you, you're not putting in 40 hours, right? You don't get out of bed till 11. You sit on the couch till 3, and then you turn in your paperwork and say you worked eight hours. It just doesn't work that way, right? But we learn that from somewhere. Like, like that's just it. And if we're going to cheat in school and then we're going to start cheating at our jobs, cheating all of a sudden starts to reverberate through the rest of our lives. Next thing you know, we're talking to somebody on Facebook that we shouldn't be, and we're, we're cheating on our spouse. All of these things start happening. We're cheating on our taxes. It's, we're trying to get around, and, and, and dishonesty is just one of the bad characteristics we can have. But the thing of it is, if we had good character, it instills confidence. Because if we're not cheating, if we know that whatever it is, if we're just doing what God's called us to do, it doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. It just means that, that we're trying our best to be who God wants us to be, and we're going to where the direction that God wants us to go in. We don't have anything to worry about. We haven't cheated anybody. We haven't been dishonest with anybody. There's been nothing that anyone can point at us and say, man, this, you know what, Mike's really struggling with this because he has poor character and he's making poor decisions. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. It just means that I'm making the right decisions and the wise decisions based on the character that God has put inside of me. So the first thing is, um, why does character matter? It matters because 
Good character instills confidence. The second thing that I want you to understand is good character goes before you. A good character will always go before you. If you have your Bibles, you're turning to 2 Chronicles. Um, this is the story of, uh, of um, Solomon again. And so what, what is happening here to kind of set the stage is the queen of Sheba has heard all of these wonderful things about Solomon. She's heard all about his wisdom and, and, and all of these things, that she, and she just can't believe it. Like, she's heard so many great things, she cannot believe it. She wants to meet him and know for herself what this guy is like. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 1, it says, When the queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, she came to Jerusalem to test him with hard questions. Arriving with a very great caravan, with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold, precious stones, she came to Solomon and talked with him about all that was on her mind. Now, if you've ever sat down and talked to a female about everything that is on her mind, guys, you know, there's no way, like, we're, we, can't, we can't even keep up, right? I mean, for all I know, Solomon's still sitting there. I mean, that's just it. I mean, that's just the way, like, like men, we're just simpletons, right? And ladies have these complex minds, and they have all of these questions. And, and sometimes, you know, like, like uh, I'll tell you this real quick. Uh, mine and Beth, our very first date we ever went on. Beth, you know, I talked about how I was not a science person, and I had to cheat in chemistry just to even pass um, the high school chemistry. My wife, as fate would have it, was a chemistry major. Right? I mean, that's God's sense of humor. And on our very first date, this is back, you know, late 90s, they had just cloned Dolly the sheep. And so we're sitting there at dinner, and we're talking about things, and Beth, man, her mind is just going in directions I've never seen. It's going down roads I didn't even know about. And so we're sitting at dinner, and she looked at me, she was like, what do you think about cloning? And I was eating my burger or whatever, and I looked at her, and I said, I don't. And I just kept on eating. <laughs> like, I don't think about cloning. I mean, that's just not something that's, that goes on in my mind. And so I don't even know, like, like Solomon was getting into, like, the Queen of Sheba came and said, all right, Solomon, I've got some questions for you. And Solomon, being the wisest man on earth, just rolled up his sleeves and said, all right, lay it on me. Let's see what you got. So then we see in verse 5, she said to the king, the report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I did not believe what they said until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half the greatness of your wisdom was told to me. You have far exceeded the report I heard. You see, someone's good character goes before them. Have you ever met someone before you met them? You've heard of someone, maybe somebody in your job, a certain boss, a certain supervisor, maybe someone who lives in your town, whoever it may be. You've heard of their reputation before you ever met them. And maybe that was good, and maybe that was bad. Maybe they lived up to their reputation, or maybe they lived down to their reputation. The thing of it is, our good name, our character always goes before us. This reputation that we have, if we have a reputation of being dishonest, if we have a reputation of being petty, if we have a reputation of being quarrelsome, any of these things, obnoxious, rude, that's going to go before us. And people are not going to want to meet us. They're not going to want to be with us. Like even before they meet us, they're going to be like, I don't even want to meet that guy. I don't even want to meet her. Like I've heard about her. 
And so automatically they go into this um, conversation or interaction with some preconceived notions because they've heard about you. But the flip side of that is true also. I'm sure there's people that you've met that you've heard about and you've heard nothing but good things. And just like the Queen of Sheba, you're like, you know what? There's no way these things can be true. And then you finally meet that person and you walk away and you're like, holy cow, they're even better than I heard. Like, this is a genuinely good person. This is somebody that, man, God is all over their life. Like, man, they just ooze peace and, and they just ooze kindness and love and grace. Like, all of these things just come out of them. And you're like, that's the kind of person I want to hang around. Like, that's the kind of person I want to rub shoulders with, hoping that it comes back to me. Now, you've, um, you've heard me for the last year rail on social media. And I'm going to tell you why. Because as a pastor, I sit back and I've, I pull up Facebook, or, and that seems to be the primary, um, some of Twitter. But basically, Facebook's just toxic. And there's people that I know, people that I love, people even from our own church, people from churches that I've served with before, Christians that I know in life and know that, man, you know, they walk the walk. But when it comes to social media, they don't. I've had so many people say, you know what? I just had to block this person. And it didn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. I'm not even saying that. Both sides of the aisle are like this. Both sides of the COVID pandemic are like this. Like, like it just is. There's, this world is so divided that instead of trying to bring unity with our words and trying to exhibit these good characteristics of love and kindness, all of a sudden it's like we log onto Facebook and the worst part about us comes out. We're picking fights. We're being petty. We're jealous. We're this. We're just, we're just like throwing all this stuff out. And, and, and the reason I've railed on social media is because it breaks my heart as a pastor that I have someone in my church come to me and say, you know what, I don't even know how I can even like be friends with them anymore. They are so toxic and they're so nasty on social media. And it's true because your reputation goes before you. What you're saying is out there now. And for a lot of people, you've got a lot of character rehabilitation to do. Because if you allowed yourself to get sucked down this toxic rabbit hole and to be someone that God never intended you to be and to have the dark side of your character come out, good character will always give you stability, will always give you confidence, and good character will always go before you. The third thing is this. Good character is consistent. Good character is consistent. It doesn't matter what kind of person you're dealing with. It doesn't matter if the person that you're dealing with has always treated you fairly in life. It doesn't matter if the person you're dealing with has always treated you unfairly in life. It doesn't matter if the person you're dealing with has helped you or hurt you. If you have good character, you are going to be consistent in how you treat others, regardless of how they treated you. Um, I've never been a coffee drinker, ever. Like, like I, I, I went, I'm 46 years old. I probably went 44 years before I had my first cup of coffee. Like, I, it just wasn't, you know? And a matter of fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on my daughter. The very first time my daughter saw me drinking coffee, she was mortified. She was like, Dad, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm having a cup of coffee. And she looked at me in all sincerity, and she said, Pastors can drink coffee? 
Like, that's what she said. Because she had never seen me drink coffee. And so she just assumed it was a sin. And I, and I told her that because her mom drank coffee. And I was like, see, you're sinner mama. And so, but no, she, it's just not something that was, that was part of my routine. And, and just like 2020 drove a lot of people to, like, drink alcohol, you know. It's like alcohol uh, consumption and sales was the highest they've ever been in history. It drove me to drink coffee. Like, last year, I became this coffee connoisseur. And so last Sunday morning, I wake up, and I'm in bed, and I'm kind of opening up my phone and looking through stuff. And all of a sudden, I saw this offer from Panera. And I don't know if you have Panera's where you're at. There's Panera here in our town. They're the kind of global type coffee shop. They had this thing where normally you pay $9 a month for unlimited coffee. And they're running a special right now, free for three months. You just sign up. You don't even have to pay a dime. You just cancel after three months. So Panera should give me this for a year because of the way I'm plugging it. So I was like, Beth, I was like, look at this. We can get free coffee for three months. We got out of bed. We didn't even tell the kids goodbye. Literally, we got out of bed last Sunday morning. We, we, we signed up on our apps. We drove to Panera, got our free coffee. And we felt like we were robbing the place, right? And that was it. I want you to know every day this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I've gone by there and gotten my free coffee. Like, I've drank more coffee in the last week than I had the last month because it's there and it's free. So I've kind of figured out now over the last few days what exactly I like in a coffee. You know, this is, how, this is you know, I want dark or I want this much cream or this much sugar or whatever. And I've gotten it down to where, like, now when they give me that coffee, I take a sip. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Well, the other night um, I was out in town and Beth uh, called me. She's like, hey, are you near Panera? I was like, I am. She's like, why don't you go by and get us our coffees? I was like, all right. So I pulled through and I got us our coffees and got them in the car and I started driving home and I picked mine up to drink it, anticipating what I'd already become used to over the last few days. And I took one sip and I almost spit it out. You know what's maybe the worst kind of coffee? Lukewarm coffee right? I mean, and, and it just was, it was like the water that they had, it was just, it was at the end of the day, who knows, but it was just nasty, right? It was just like this lukewarm coffee, and all the rest of the coffee had been great, but that one cup was not good. It wasn't consistent, and I think that was the thing that shocked me the most, because over the past several days, I've gotten used to this certain hotness and taste of the coffee, and then when I got one that wasn't, oh, you knew it. I was reminded of the scriptures in Revelation chapter 3 where Jesus, he's talking to the church of Laodicea. And he says this, it's better for you to be hot or cold than lukewarm. If you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. He's saying, look, just choose a side. Either be hot or cold. Whatever you're going to be, at least be consistent. This lukewarmness, I don't want this. You see, when you have good character, your character needs to be consistent. You shouldn't leave people guessing about how you're going to be when they deal with you. Am I going to get the honest version of you or the dishonest version of you? Am I going to get the peaceful version of you or the quarrelsome person of you? Am I going to get the obnoxious version of you or the kind and gentle version of you? Our character needs to be consistent. It's even better, I think, for us to be consistently bad than to be lukewarm and leave people guessing. At least then they know what they're going to get. So good character is stable. Good character builds confidence because you don't have to worry about all the stuff you've been lying about. Good character goes before you. People know you before they know you because they've heard good things about you. 
And good character is consistent. You don't have to leave people guessing. They know who they're going to get. And the fourth thing is this. Good character inspires others. Good character, a good name, inspires others. Paul um, had become a Christian, and he's going, he's planting churches, and, and in the New Testament, he writes this letter to the church of Corinth, and as he's writing to the Corinthians, he says this in chapter 11, verse 1, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's a lot of pressure, right? You know, how many times do we say, do as I say, don't do as I do, right? Because we feel like we're going to come short. Paul was so confident in himself and so confident in his good character that he said, look, I'm trying my best to model Jesus. So you follow me as I follow Jesus. That's the example that I want. What he was doing was he was inspiring the church of Corinth. He was inspiring the Corinthians to say, you know what? We don't have Jesus right in front of us. We don't have this physical being to be able to watch and to follow and see the miracles and all of these types of things. But we can follow Paul. And we can trust that Paul is following Jesus. Paul was an inspiration to the Corinthians. Let me ask you this. Um, who won Miss America in 2002? Who won the Super Bowl in 2004? Who was the MVP of that Super Bowl? Who won Best Actress in 2013? We don't know because we don't care, right? I mean, we just don't because all those are are names. They're just generic names. It doesn't matter. But if I was to ask you, think of one teacher, one professor that you had in school, school, middle school, high school, college, that inspired you, that taught you something about life. You could probably think of that person. If I said, think of one coach that you had that saw something in you that pushed you to be better than you thought you could be, you would probably think of something. You would think of someone. If I said, think of that friend that is always there when life is the hardest, when all hell is breaking loose in life, I know this friend is going to be there. You can probably think of someone. Why? Because you know their character. And their character is inspiring. You see, our good character should bring us solid ground and bring us confidence. Our good character should go before us. Our good character should be consistent. And our good character should inspire others. Now, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, you know what, Mike, but I don't have a good name. If I'm really honest, I have some major character flaws. You know what I'd say? Join the crowd. We all do. Jesus, again, in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, talking to a totally different church, said this, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but I know you are dead. Maybe for some of us, that represents us in our lives. Maybe our reputation is a fake reputation. Maybe the reputation that, that people see is actually just kind of this facade, this, this hypocritical personality that we put out there, that inside we know that we are dead. Or how about Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. 
None of us are perfect. None of us are going to have that perfect character within us. The character that we desire is the, is the character of God. But let's face it, we do have sin. We do have brokenness in this world. And there's going to be times where we're going to fall back into those bad characteristics. So what do we do? You have to realize that even though you may not have a good name right now, that even though your character may be not be the strongest right now as it needs to be, it doesn't have to stay that way. That God is the God of change. That God is the God of repentance. That God is the God of, of U-turns and being able to turn your life around. I thought of this verse this week. Jesus was teaching, and um, he was teaching about basically, essentially, bad character. When you've done something to someone else that isn't right, that, that maybe you've been dishonest to them, maybe you've been mean to them, rude to them, obnoxious to them, maybe you need to go and ask forgiveness from them. He said this in Matthew chapter 5. He said, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled with them. Then come and offer your gift. Jesus is saying, look, your reputation, your, your name, your bad character doesn't have to stay that way. That it takes us realizing, man, you know what? Well, my character has been inconsistent. To some people, I'm great. To others, my name is like mud. Or, or you know what? I don't feel real confident in my character right now because I know that I have a lot of skeletons in my closet and I'm constantly having to look behind me and try to clean up my mess. I know that my character that goes before me is not something that's good. That my reputation is not solid. That it's not something that is inspiring to others. That's the beauty of God's grace and mercy is it doesn't have to stay that way. That we are creating tomorrow's legacy today. The legacy that you want, the reputation that you want, the good name that you want, the good character that you want, character that is a firm foundation, character that goes before you, character that is consistent, character that is inspiring, it can start today. Your legacy of tomorrow begins right now. So yes, character matters. Even in today's time, when it, it's like every time we flip on the news, it's bad news and it's, you know, wars and rumors of war, right? Even today, our character matters. Our reputation matters. Who we are, how we treat people matters. My prayer for you is the same as it is for me. That God would examine my heart, examine my life, examine my name, examine my character. And if anything about me falls short of, of what God would desire, then God, show me what I got to do to make it right. If I have to leave my gift at the altar and go find whoever it is that I wronged and, and ask for forgiveness to pay bills that I need to pay, to make amends for what I need to make amends, to do whatever I need to do, then I need to go and do that. And then I can come back. And with a consistent character, with a firm foundation, with the good character that goes before me, I know that just like Paul, I can say, follow me as I follow Christ. 
I pray that's your prayer. I pray that's your desire this morning. It's, your, it's in his holy name that we go to him right now in prayer for you, for me, for our character, for our good name. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for not giving up on our character, for the times in our lives that we have fallen short, for those times in our lives that our character has been less than. Lord, I pray if there's anyone who's watching or listening that is struggling, which is kind of that confidence that you should have from your good character, because they know that the character or the personality they portray to others is not the truth, that their bad character has made for bad decisions. Lord, I pray that you restore them, that you put them on the right path. Lord, for those that may be sitting here this morning and, and knowing that the reputation, the character that goes before them is not what they would have. That they understand that their name is out there before they ever are. That God, they start taking the necessary steps to redeem their name, to redeem their character. Lord, if there's anyone who's listening that, if they're really honest, they have moments of some really good character but they have some that aren't. Lord, we pray for consistency. We pray that the character for the name that goes out is something that is consistent, that people know what they're going to get every time they meet this person. And I pray that that is something that is inspiring, that we can live our lives in a way that we can say, you know what, just follow me as I follow Christ. Just trust me, just go with me on this. That our good name, our good reputation, our good character reflects the character of God, reflects the names of God. Lord, that that be our desire and our prayer this morning. And it's in your holy name we pray these things. Amen.